Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang on the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. We are back with you this week to preview the lovely, the always lovely Rutgers football game that is coming up this Saturday. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me as always is Josh Dooley. Matt filled in for me for the Akron recap, so shout out to him for doing that for us this week, but I'm back with you guys again for another game preview podcast. Uh, a little bit interesting, you know, the past couple of years, Rutgers has been kind of another one of these pushover teams like, you know, an, 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 an Akron or a Tulsa, a team you expect to, to beat by a lot. But, you know, under Greg Schiano recently, they've kind of had a bit of a resurgence. And so this is a game, Josh, that you, you know, it's not it's not one that you go into expecting to win by 60. It's a game that, you know, we, we saw them hang with Michigan last week. So it is a game that Ohio State will have to, you know, actually like show up and try instead of just sh- uh, sending the third string to Piscataway like they could in past years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hope that uh, I hope this is an easy game. But the thing with the Greg Schiano coached football team is, um, you know, they're going to bust their asses. They're going to try as hard as they can. They're going to be well coached. And, you know, I, I want Ohio State to win by 100. But I like Greg Schiano, too. I, I liked him during his time here at Ohio State. So it'll be interesting to see what he's done with this team to kind of get them out of the doldrums of the Chris Ash era. And uh I don't think they're going to make it easy on us, but I think we can kind of get into all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And before we kind of sort of break down this week's uh, upcoming game, I just want to bring up the, so the, the newsy piece of the day. Obviously, uh, we're recording this a day earlier than we usually do. We usually record on Tuesday, so we have the Ryan Day press conference to go off of, but to this week we are recording on Monday. So really the only bit of Ohio State news we have so far this week in regards to the football team is that they will be debuting a color rush jersey for the Penn State game on October 30th. It will be an all-red uh, it's a red, red jerseys, red pants, and then the regular uh, silver helmet. Uh, they're pretty interesting. It's something that Ohio State hasn't really done much of in, in at least recent years. I think the last time they did something like this was like in like the 70s. So, uh, you know, it, it's definitely a different look. The red pants is not something you see from Ohio State. And so, Josh, what are your kind of, I know you really only got a quick glance at this coming out of work today, but what do you think about these Ohio State alternates? What do you think about maybe Ohio State alternates in general? I know some people are very traditionalist in their Ohio State jerseys. I, I personally like alternates. I'm not, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of split on these. I don't really know what to think of them just yet. But overall, I usually tend to like the the uh, like alternates that we wear. I like to mix things up, and it's kind of, I think it's fun for the players, and that like recruits really like it. So that, that's kind of my stance on it. What do you think about this uh, overall? I like them once in a while. Um, I don't think that Ohio State has tried any of the alternates that I was vehemently against. Uh, I really liked the when they involve like the black, whether that's top, bottom, the whole thing. Uh, if they did some all black jerseys, I would like to see that more. 
but I don't mind the all red. I don't want to see it every week because I think that Ohio State has a really clean, classic uniform week in and week out. And um, I, I would never want to see that change, at least drastically. But I don't mind switching it up. It, like, you, like you said, it's, it's for the players to do something new. Um, you try and compete with the other Nike schools in this case where they're always trying to roll out these new and innovative alternate jerseys. So uh, I'm willing to give them a glimpse, a glimpse obviously, on Saturday. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a little much for me. I think that they're kind of playing off of the color rush uniforms that you see in the NFL, and some of those are – less than desirable, but I don't mind these for one week. They're not too bad. Yeah, I'm kind of along that same vein there where it's, it's a cool thing to do, you know, once a year during one week during maybe a big game. So, like, obviously they're using these for the Penn State game. I would like to see them do, you know, I've seen a lot of people suggest it on Twitter and stuff. I'd lo- I would love to see them wear, have both teams wear the home uniforms in the Ohio State-Michigan game, kind of like they do in the uh, UCLA-USC rivalry game. I like that. I, I like think that. that'd be really cool to have the scarlet with the blue and the maize. I think it would be a really nice jersey matchup, which is two historic jerseys and something like that. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know if they'd ever do it because the Big Ten t- tends to be really boring when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I think that'd be really cool. But yeah, I'm kind of in the same vein as you. I don't want to see it every week. I think the Ohio State, you know, their traditional away and home jerseys are both really nice and that, you know, this is kind of just a, a cool little change of pace. And like you said, they got they to keep up with all the Nike stuff and all that fun stuff. I'll say this. It's not going to be flattering for Dewan Jones. Um, you want to have some texture and some layers for a guy who's like 6'8", 360. So uh, a guy like Dewan it may not it may not be a slimming look for him, but no. Other than that, uh, I'm interested in seeing what they look like on Sat on. Uh, gosh, what October thirtieth? It's the thirtieth. I mistaken? think it's Halloween weekend. Uh, I mean, if Dewan Jones is smart, he'll get a Kool Aid sponsorship out of this. Uh, some kind there of you go. Halloween costume, Kool Aid Man esque kind of thing. I think that'd be funny, and that'd be a really good branding opportunity. Dewan for Jones Mr. is going to hunt Jones. us down and destroy us. Oh, absolutely, but. I love you, Dewan. I, this is no hate to you. I think you're a fantastic man, and we all you're an Ohio State fan favorite. You've been playing really well this season, so keep up the good work. Um, other than that, I guess really, I guess we haven't really talked about this yet. I don't know if you this this news really hadn't broken or anything clear had come out about it at the time when you and Matt had recorded your recap. But uh, Ohio State linebacker, well, former Ohio State linebacker Kayvon Pope was dismissed from the football team by Ryan Day and has subsequently entered the transfer portal. Uh, I don't think we have to go too much into this. He was clearly, you know, this is a guy that was clearly upset with his playing time. Uh, tweet out some choice words. He did apologize in a later tweet that he said, you know, it, it was in the heat of the moment. You know, he apologizes to, you know, anybody he may have hurt, university, his teammates and stuff. And his former teammates kind of replied and seemed to be very understanding of him and and have, you know, uh, respected his apology and stuff like that. So, you know, wish him the best moving forward wherever he lands. He's obviously, you know, he was a guy that he looked pretty good when he played. He just wasn't getting the playing time he'd liked. And this is a guy, especially in Ohio State's linebacker room that had sat for a while. So, uh, he's now gone. Dallas Gant's now gone. That's now two linebackers that have entered the portal for Ohio State in the last you know week plus. So that's not exactly what you want, but it's a room that Ohio State had some depth at and is now a, a bit lacking in depth. But it seems like they're starting to figure out who they want in that room to be playing the most of the snaps, which is good and something we've discussed pretty much ad nauseum as the season has gone on, the early goings of the season at least. So that was a, a bit of an interesting situation and an otherwise uh, really good night for Ohio State, I would say, against Akron. Yeah, you know, Matt and I touched on it a little bit. I think that we were both on the same page. It was handled the wrong way, uh, obviously, by Kayvon Pope. But we both sort of likened it to, you know, getting fired from a job or or essentially kicked off the team without being kicked off the team is kind of where he was at. Um, 
an experienced guy. He had been on the roster for a number of years and just couldn't get on the field. So we both understood his frustration. And I think that you and I both understand that this probably needed to happen once the um, blow up sort of happened on the sideline and Ryan Day didn't get into it too much after the game. But I, I still wish the guy well. I, I hope that he finds a spot and he can kind of get in the right headspace to continue his football career. It, it sucks, but it's sort of the nature of the beast, especially at a school like Ohio State. You're going to have plenty of talented guys who come in as four and five star recruits and they can't get on the field. And it's very frustrating to them, especially after a number of years. So, um, you know, I, I think that obviously he has the talent. He was at Ohio State for a reason. Uh, I don't remember his kind of recruiting prowess coming in, but uh, I imagine he was at least a four star guy if I went back and looked. So I think he'll probably land somewhere if he chooses to do so. And he'll have some making up to do to his you know, future coach and future teammates probably to prove that he's not that guy. But um, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but I think that Ohio state is still well prepared to move forward at the linebacker position and uh, you know, just best of luck to him. Yeah. Just pulling up his recruiting profile here. He was, he was a four-star career. He was the number nine inside linebacker in the 2018 class, uh, number 217 player overall. So he was a guy that came in here, like you said, with some of these high aspirations and his big recruiting rankings, but also like you, you touched on, you know, at Ohio state, sometimes these guys either don't pan out or you sit behind someone else that's in your same position with a, with a, you know, as already entrenched in your job. Like, you know, the past couple of years, we've seen these Ohio state linebackers play for three years and now these guys are just getting a chance in year four and five. So clearly a frustrating situation. Uh, he will. It's going to be a little, you know, after that tweet that he sent out, it's not going to be great to explain to a future coach, but I'm sure he will land somewhere and, and have somewhat of a, a what's what's left of his college football career. And hopefully he has some success wherever he lands. But, you know, kind of moving forward, as we touch on the Ohio State linebacker and before we get into some of the, the Rutgers talk, I did want to talk about that. You know, some I don't know how much you and Matt discuss as well against Akron, but, you know, moving forward for this Ohio State team for the rest of the season, it does seem like they're starting to finally tighten some of these rotations on defense. And against Akron, we really saw them play two starting linebackers, and it was Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell, who are the two guys that pretty much everyone has wanted to start all season, and it seems like they finally figured out that those are the two best guys for the job. Now, Cody Simon did seem to leave in the second or like early in the uh, late in the second quarter with an injury and he did not return. We don't know how much of that was, you know, precautionary because it was Akron and they were up so much. But uh, Tommy Eichenberg filled in for him the rest of the way with Taraja Mitchell. And then they started to rotate uh, some other guys in as the game kind of got out of hand. But it seems like Ohio State's linebackers have, have sort of found themselves a depth chart, at least. And it seems like the right guys are are playing when they're healthy. Uh, I thought, interesting enough, I thought Steel Chambers actually looked really good, and I know it's Akron, but he was really flying around out there, and he seemed like he knew what he was doing, and he's one of the, the quicker guys in that defense, and it seemed like overall, Ohio State's defense was doing a much better job of sort of just reading and reacting to plays and just not not sitting back there thinking through their assignments. It seemed like they were playing much quicker. They understood what was going on in front of them. They weren't getting you know fooled by very easy fakes and all that kind of stuff. They had a couple possessions early on where I thought they got beat underneath pretty easily, and it was a lot of it was on the linebackers not dropping back enough. But I feel like they sort of corrected that a little bit. They did a pretty decent job of containing DJ Irons, and you know he was a really good mobile quarterback. He was pretty shifty back there. But between the defensive tackles having a huge day, the defensive ends playing. Um, uh, contain and then the, the linebackers kind of filling their gaps and playing as they should for an Ohio State team. I thought this the front end of this defense looked a lot better, and I'm hoping that we see 
a lot of the guys, obviously they're not going to be able to you know, play play five deep like they did against Akron, but I'm hoping we see a lot of the same rotations that we saw against Akron moving forward and that you know the guys that are starting and playing the best are going to continue to get to play regardless of your seniority or maybe the, the amount of time that you've you know put in or been on the team or how the coaches have felt about you to this point. I feel like they're starting to finally you know play guys based on how they have played on the field rather than just you know, you're a senior and you're going to start over the freshman. Yeah, Matt and I touched on it a little bit. We, the three of us, are in agreement that we're uh, we're happy to see Mitchell and Simon as your primary guys out there. And we both did also bring up Steel Chambers running around, making some plays out there as an inexperienced guy coming over from the running back room. So um, I, I think that this will remain the rotation moving forward. I don't see any reason for it to be changed up, and hopefully they've streamlined it a little bit. But we talked about the fact that these guys in the linebacker room, they're inexperienced. And so if you're inexperienced and the mistakes are going to come, Matt and I would both rather have the athletic guys out there who can make up for mistakes or, um, you know, close ground a little bit quicker if they're out of place or they miss an assignment. And that just wasn't Tommy Eichenberg's game. I brought up Meredith's uh, piece that she had on the website where she kind of went down and, and kind of profiled the, the death of the traditional linebacker. And I think that that's what Tommy Eichenberg is and was, is if Ohio State was running a 4-3 base, I think that Tommy Eichenberg would have a spot. He is graded well for whatever you read into the grades on like PFF. He, he graded out well in week three, despite having a tackle and the coaches liked him. Uh, they trusted him. He was out there for the first two plus games or three plus games really. And um, I think he just, he lacks the athleticism that Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell have. And so when Ohio state's going to play with only two linebackers, they need to have the guys out there who are capable of supporting the run and also dropping back and picking up a tight end or a slot wide receiver or something like that. And that just isn't Tommy Eichenberg's game. I think that there's still a role for him, maybe in different uh, different bases or different lineups. I don't think they'll change it up too often, but you know, he's a 4-3 middle linebacker to me, and that's not Ohio State's system moving forward. So I think that's why we saw his playing time drastically decreased and I don't see a scenario where he re-enters the lineup, even if those other guys struggle a little bit, because like I said, they are athletic enough to cover up some of the mistakes of other guys on the team and around them. And that includes Steel Chambers. He is a converted running back, like we talked about, but he's athletic enough to get to the ball, see ball, get ball. And again, we're going to have to live with mistakes but these guys can kind of make up for that with their athleticism, and they probably bring a different dynamic that Tommy just wasn't bringing to the field. Yeah, and interestingly enough, you know, looking at the PFF grades from that game, Steel Chambers had the second highest defensive rating of any player on the team behind only Haskell Garrett. So he played mm -hmm. really well. And I know, like, you know, PFF grades aren't everything. Sometimes there's some misses, but it is interesting to see. Some other guys I want to talk about, obviously, you know, a lot of the hype was around the freshmen that finally got to play. Josh and I both wrote a piece today about some of the guys that impressed us. Obviously, Tyleek Williams and Jack Sawyer, two of the, the bigger names to kind of get more playing time that game and really show out. But 
a guy that isn't a freshman but hasn't really played much this year, uh, Marcus Williamson. I thought, and, and Marcus Williamson is a guy that I've been tough on in the past. I didn't think he played particularly well uh, either of the last two years, but in that game, he was really flying around, and I know it was late against probably what was mostly the second-string Akron offense, but he was flying around making some plays. I thought he played uh, really well back there. He was actually the third-highest-rated player on the defense despite only playing 21 total snaps. So that's another guy where, you know, if Ohio State's still trying to figure out this safety rotation without Josh Proctor, uh, I mean, they played guy. They played uh, what's his face. They played Court Williams more in that game. Uh, Cam Martinez, Ronnie Hickman, all these guys are guys you would throw at safety. So I feel like you know, obviously Denzel Burke is your top cover corner at this point, the freshman, and then you know some combination of Seven Banks and Cam Brown at the other corner. Uh, probably mostly Cam Brown when he's healthier because he's played better than Sam Seven Banks to this point. But I, I feel like between Cam Martinez, Ronnie Hickman. Court Williams and uh, Marcus Williamson, you could find some kind of rotation back there with with a slot corner and a safety that that makes your defense the best possible it could be in the back end. And, you know, Ohio State's passing defense has been good. They haven't really been beaten over the top at all this season. It's mostly just been short stuff underneath over the middle. And that really, most of that isn't really the cornerback's fault. It's more of the the linebackers. But, you know, overall, their coverage has been good. I think they just need that, that one final piece of being a lockdown safety at the back end. And they're still really trying to find that without Proctor. I know they probably thought he'd be a big part of this defense this year but those are some guys that finally got a chance to play a little bit and and looked pretty decent out there so I'll be interested to see how much guys like Marcus Williamson and Court Williams continue to play against teams when you know when the game isn't you know a 40-point blowout yeah and I think that the secondary is different than the linebacker rotation in this sense we have shortened the linebacker rotation running the 4-2-5 uh, sort of scheme and you're going to have some guys who don't catch playing time at the linebacker position, but I, I feel like you can never have enough healthy and experienced DBs. Um, you've got five on the field at any given time. Maybe they drop into a dime or, or a quarter at some point against a certain team, maybe like a Purdue that throws the ball. Um, I don't see them going away from the four two five very often, but again, as many guys as you can get out there in the secondary to get experience and get playing time, those guys get hit, hurt too. You know, they're, they're running around the field. They're trying to keep up with the fastest guys on the other team. You're going to get those soft tissue things. You're going to get hammies and ankles and this, that, and the other. You're going to get that at the linebacker position too, but we've got the luxury of having secondary players who have thus far performed well on their own, you know, five, six, seven, eight of those guys at any given time. And uh, so we want to get those guys out on the field, Marcus Williamson included, because you never know what's going to happen in the secondary. And like, it's just, it's a much bigger room and there are much more of those guys on the field at any given time as, as compared to the linebackers, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I don't I don't know if we need to spend really a ton of time in Ohio State's offense versus Akron. I'm sure you guys covered that pretty well. You know, we saw both Kyle McCord and Jack Miller both play, get some reps. Uh, I think the overall thing that we learned on offense, well, not that we learned, that we already knew, but got more reassurance is that Trayvon Henderson is just really, 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 really good. Uh, the wide receivers are still really, really, really good. Uh, I don't think it really matters who starts for Ohio State at quarterback at this point. I do imagine that C.J. Stroud will be back this week if he is healthy. Uh, we haven't really gotten any confirmation on that yet, but I, I'm imagining that's the plan, uh, unless we hear anything later on in the week that that isn't the plan. Uh, I don't think either of them, either McCord or Miller, played well enough to supplant uh, C.J. Stroud. Not that they played bad, it's just that neither of them really... They didn't really uh, 
didn't really play an offense that was conducive to a guy showing out. They didn't really take many deep shots. Uh, they ran the ball a lot. So I thought both those guys played well, you know, and it's good to see that if Ohio State, if something does happen to Stroud where he's out for maybe the remainder of the year or a good chunk of games, that they have competent backups that they could trust to go out there and, and win them some football games. So that was good to learn. I guess that's, you know, once again, it, all of this is with a grain of salt because it's Akron, but uh, I thought that was good to see those guys come out and, and play pretty well. Uh, Josh, anything else on that you wanted to like bring up from the Akron game, or can we move on to our, our favorite Scar- uh, Rucker Scarlet Knights? No, I mean, it's sort of a good segue. Matt and I did touch on the offense just a little bit. No surprises really against Akron, but this week's going to be a different test. You know, if you look at the metrics and you look at some of the scores of their game so far, Rutgers is a solid defensive team. Uh, much better than Akron. So they're going to have to tighten some things up. But um, all in all, looked good against Akron. Got some new guys in there. And I agree with you uh, as far as the quarterbacks go. And you hit on something exactly like I said yesterday in uh, Matt and I's kind of recap pod that Kyle McCord seems like, I I think I compared him to like a Matt Stafford um, during like a preseason pod or something that you and I did. And he's not quite there yet, but just he's a gunslinger, right? That that's, He seems like more of the drop back guy, throw it 30, 40, 50 times. And they didn't really cut him loose. So I'm with you. I don't think he did anything to supplant CJ, but he gave me enough confidence that if and or when he has to get thrown into the game or put into the game for CJ, I'm confident that he's got the skill set that we need and he'll only get better with experience. Yeah, and I'm kind of interested as to why Ohio State hasn't ran kind of the style of offense that they ran against Akron in any other game to kind of help C.J. Stroud grow a little bit. Because they obviously did it, you know, they obviously did all these short passes and some of these screening stuff. And, you know, Kyle McCord's first touchdown pass came on a pop pass to Olave. And just little easy stuff like that, easy completions to get you going like they clearly did with McCord. I don't know why they haven't tried that. With Stroud yet, they've kind of just, I feel like Stroud comes out every game and the first play they throw up is like a 40-yard bomb. So I just don't know why they haven't tried to maybe ease him into a game a little bit with some of these, like, you know, run the football and and short pass and kind of stuff like that. I feel like that would be, you know, conducive to a more fluid offense as the game goes on. But yeah, Matt uh, hit on that actually, I guess. Yeah, Matt had a good point. It seems like Ryan Day with his new quarterbacks, he's trying to figure out whether he wants to run more of the Dwayne Haskins offense or the Justin Fields offense. Dwayne Haskins, obviously, he had a cannon and threw a beautiful deep ball, but he kind of feasted on the un- the underneath stuff, ton of uh, screens and crossing patterns and things like that, whereas Justin Fields was more of a downfield passer, in my and Matt's opinion. So I think that Ryan Day is trying to figure out what suits CJ best, and I don't think he's quite there yet, but with more and more time and more experience, I, I, I'm confident that he will get there and custom fit the best game plan to CJ or whomever it's going to be taking snaps. Yeah, so moving forward, assuming that CJ Stroud will start this weekend, barring any injury, he's not going to be benched. So if he's healthy, he's going to play. That's really the only thing that'll keep him out of this game. Um, I, I think Rutgers is almost a perfect opponent at this point in the season because they're, like you touched on, they're pretty good defensively. I would honestly say really good defensively. Their offense isn't the greatest, but they're a team that you could still kind of afford to maybe try a few things with and not have to worry about losing too much. I'm not saying that Rutgers can't possibly win this game. We saw them nearly beat Michigan at Michigan last weekend. So they're a team that's good enough where if Ohio State comes out of the gate flat, they certainly could win this football game in Jersey. But 
they're a team that if Ohio State, you know, does some things well, they can afford to try some things later on in the game or even early in the game if they want to against a team that's a little more competent than Akron. Uh, so just looking at the, some of the numbers broadly with this Rutgers football team, they're 11th in the country in total defense. So like we said, they're they're pretty solid up there. They're 39th in rushing defense, 15th in passing. But then on the flip side of the ball, they're 99th in total offense, 99th in passing, 75th in rushing. So the offense hasn't really caught up to the defense yet, but Greg Schiano is clearly doing a really good job. He's more of a defensive-minded coach, as we know. He was Ohio State's former defensive coordinator. So he's got that Rutgers defense playing very well. Uh, they're actually fourth in the country in turnover margin, and a large part of that is because they've only had one turnover on offense all season, and it was a, a fumble in the last drive of their game against Michigan. Uh, but other than that, they have five fumble recoveries and three picks, so they're plus seven on the year in, in turnovers. Uh Interestingly enough, Josh, while I was looking up these numbers, where do you think Ohio State ranks in total offense? This was kind of surprising to me. Oh, gosh, I feel like I should be better prepared for this, but I'm I was not... hoping it would catch you off guard. Like, I was very surprised at what this number was based on, like, what I've seen from Ohio State so far. Well, since you're surprised, I would say that they are probably lower than you anticipated. So, I, I don't know. Are they 40th? No, they're actually higher than I anticipated. They are okay. number they are number two in the country in total offense. Wow, was yeah, I off? I would not have expected that at all. Like I know Ohio State's offense is good, but I feel like they haven't really played up to their potential yet. We haven't really seen a big passing game from any of the quarterbacks yet. I know CJ Shaw put up a ton of yards against Oregon, but it certainly didn't like feel like it during the game. So and I know they, they've run the ball well with Travion, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel like an offense to me that would be second in total offense. I knew they were good, but that's kind of crazy to me. Now on defense uh, they're about where I figured they'd be. They are 89th in total defense, which, you know, if you if you followed from last year, that's actually an improvement because we were, I think the Ohio State was either 125th or 126th last year, so slightly better. And obviously, you know, the teams they've played uh, recently have helped, but uh, still not exactly where you'd want to be if you're Ohio State. They're moving in the right direction, I suppose, but still the numbers aren't quite there. But but like, kind of like I said, this is a Rutgers team that uh, they can kind of test you. Um, bring up that, that Michigan game. It was a 20-13 to 13 final, and Rutgers had the ball with the final possession with a chance to tie the game if it weren't for that uh, lone fumble. So they're a team that, they're frisky, they're, they're going to test you. They bring their, their lunch pail to work every day, kind of like all of Greg Schiano's teams do. Uh, he's done a good job of recruiting there. They've got some better players coming through these days on both sides of the ball, really, but especially on defense. And uh, this is not the same pushover Rutgers that we saw during, you know, 2014, 15, 16 seasons that Ohio State. I think it was there was one point where Ohio State outscored them like 270 to three or something ridiculous like that. So it's certainly not that Rutgers anymore. They're not a joke. They're not a laughing stock. This is a team that if you don't show up prepared, they could certainly beat you on Saturday. Yeah, that's a Greg Schiano team, right? Um, you had on it lunch pail kind of team and he really built the program up. Uh, during the early 2000s, I think he was like 99 through 2011. Uh, or something like that. But I, I want to hit on their offense first and Ohio State's defense, if that's all right with you. I think that, like you said, this is a good, not necessarily a get-right game for Ohio State, but I guess what I'm trying to say is Rutgers does not thrive either through the passing game or the rushing game. You know, they throw for, or they pass for 194 yards per game and they rush for 157 per game. So you're looking at only 350 yards of total offense averaged so far. Um, very balanced, but they, you know, they're not an air it out team and they're also not that Minnesota team or even Oregon um, where they're going to just, kill Ohio State on the ground. As a team, they average less than four yards per carry. So they are very much that three yards in a cloud of dust rushing offense. And 
Noah Vidral, their quarterback, is not really a prolific passer either. I mean, less than 200 yards per game and five total touchdowns through four games. So it's almost like they profile as a old school Big Ten offense. And I think that that could be conducive to Ohio State's defense having some success. There's not going to be a great emphasis or pressure on the front or the back units for Ohio State. It is going to be, can they play together as a unit, get maybe Rutgers in some third and longs, things like that, to where they're going to have to force Rutgers to do things that they are not so comfortable doing. I, I Like I said, they're not an aired out team. Their leading receiver on the year is Bo Melton at 253 yards through, again, four games. So, uh, again, I, I keep saying that old school Big Ten offense, that's sort of what they seem like. And I think that that will allow Ohio State to not place too much pressure or emphasis on either the defensive line or the secondary or really the linebackers in this instance. I think that the Ohio State defense can have some success against Rutgers and limit their points. Um the, the 60 that they put up week one against Temple, you and I talked about a little bit before the pod. That seems like a bit of a fluke. They put up 60 points and they, they rushed the ball like 56 times as a team. All of their touchdowns were one and two yard plunges from uh, from the goal line area. They had one defensive touchdown and a safety. So if you look at their points per game, that's very misleading compared to what you see on the stat sheet. So I think Ohio State should be able to get after Noah Vidral and not have to worry too much about the linebacker or the wide receivers for Rutgers getting loose and really exposing our secondary that's played pretty well thus far. And if anything, it looks like the run defense turned a corner a little bit, again, against Akron, but that's also not a strength for Rutgers. They're a very odd team in the fact that yes they're three and one and they put up some big points against temple and uh gosh it's escaping me who they played um in between syracuse it'll come to me eventually delaware but yeah their points are kind of fluky if you really look at it deeper yeah um this this isn't a team that's really going to beat you with explosive plays and a high-powered offense they're more of a you know do every do the little things right and kind of hit on your fundamentals and that'll get you some points yeah like you said they, this isn't a team that's going to score a bunch um their their biggest probably benefit on the offense fact that is that they, they lack explosion is a good way to put it yeah. that you put it very well they lack explosion and that's what ohio state has struggled with but what they what they lack in explosion they make up for in experience because this team brings back pretty much its entire roster on the offensive side of the ball uh yeah nova draws back he's having a, a pretty decent year he's got 762 yards passing with five touchdowns no picks um i mean that is he's got 200 less yards or yeah, he's got 200 less yards passing than C.J. Stroud, who has notably played one fewer game, but he hasn't thrown a pick. He's been clean with the ball. He's hit his guys. Um, uh, Bo Melton, that wide receiver, is probably their, their best overall player. He was a four-star recruit out of Jersey, the number five player in the state. So those are the kind of guys that kind of Greg Schiano is really looking to, to nail down in Jersey. you got to lock down the borders, and that Jersey has a bunch of high-caliber talent like that, and Bo Melton's a really good player. I'm sure we will see you know him and Denzel Burke going at it on Saturday. They'll probably be... Uh, locked and set pretty much the entire game. I imagine that's the one-on-one matchup we'll see for the most part. And then at running back, Isaiah Pacheco, Ohio State fans likely know by now he's been there for a bunch of years. It feels like he's still toting the rock back there. 
Uh, averaging 4.1 yards per carry, he's got three touchdowns on the year. Uh, so nothing crazy back there. Their run game uh, is is not super electric, but Pacheco is a pretty solid running back. He could break one off if you you know miss a tackle in the back or take a bad angle, as Ohio State's been one to do early on in the year here. But yeah, like, kind of like you said, this isn't a team that you kind of you, know, you have to worry about them taking the top off you or like beating you in explosive ways. They're just gonna you know nickel and dime you down the field. And while that could be effective, especially against an Ohio State team that we've seen that happen to a couple times this year. Um, as long as Ohio State's kind of you know playing the right guys like we saw against Akron and, and kind of just not not getting paper cut underneath by some of these underneath routes that go you know past the linebackers just over the linebackers' heads or little little these curl routes on the outside, the corners are probably gonna have to play a little bit more press than they have uh, in these past few games, which I'm sure you know I, I would hope that the coaching staff knows at this point. Um, there's kind of really not much you could do against a team that nickels and dimes you like that. You just got to force them into mistakes and, you know, force an incompletion here and there, and those will lead to punts and turnovers. Uh, but kind of like we talked about, this team doesn't really turn over the ball. So it is going to be a good test for Ohio State's defense, not because they're going to, you know, let up 45 points, but they do have to stop some of these drives for Rutgers that are going to last, you know, six or seven minutes on just these, you know, four-yard runs and five-yard passes. Yeah, and I, and I think that if Rutgers were able to expose Ohio State's defense in either either element of the game, really, then I think we're kind of back to square one because we've talked about the lack of explosive plays. You know, I, I, for some reason, I always have a perception that Isaiah Pacheco is a more prolific running back than he really is. I mean, for his career, he's averaging, you know, uh, I'm looking at his three years that he started and played primarily full seasons. He's like a, a 600, 700 yard per season guy. He averages right around four and a half yards per carry. So, um, maybe that's just fool's gold to me. And maybe I've seen some of his highlights and been enamored with that, but it, it, ball control is probably something that is going to be a focus for Rutgers and Ohio State has to figure out a way to not let that happen. As long as they can get off the field, then I think that they will definitely limit um, or put a cap on the number of points that Rutgers can put on the board. Yeah, I also, for some reason, thought that Pacheco was a little bit more of a prolific running back than he is. I think it's just because, you know, he's, he's very solid and he's been there for so long that we're just kind of assuming that he's very good and like that, that he's, you know, he's been the star for so long that he's earned it and stuff. And he has been, you know, for, for what Rutgers has been until this point, Isaiah Pacheco has really, you know, kind of carried that offense for a while until they've, they've figured out how to get some of these guys like Bo Melton and, uh, you know, have a little bit more of a, a more established passing game. But yeah, for a long time he was. It felt like the focal point of their offense, and now he's kind of you know, like you've said, they've they've evened it out a little bit. They're a much more balanced attack, and it, it's nothing crazy, but they do all the little things well, and that's you know that goes a long way in this this game. And you know, speaking of doing yeah. the little things well, oh yeah, go on. Yeah, Gene, I was just gonna say, I, I feel like Rutgers reminds me of like a Michigan State or even. Um, you know, Michigan's been more prolific and Michigan State, Kenneth Walker has been great. But if you look at how those two teams play offense, they try to be balanced. And I feel like Rutgers is that just on a, a lesser scale. They they don't have the offense of a Michigan State or a Michigan, but the way that they try and move the ball down the field is comparable to both of those teams. They want to lean on the run game and be opportune or, or take uh, opportunities when they're presented uh, through the pa- uh, through the passing offense. Yeah, and, and just because you brought up Michigan State, I want to make a quick aside here about how wrong I was in our Big Ten previews about some of these <laughs> teams. Uh, I thought Michigan State would be the worst team in the conference. That is clearly not correct. 
Um, I thought Wisconsin would be really good. That is clearly not correct. I, I bought into the grammar type train and I was sadly mistaken. Uh, and who I was, I was also really low on Iowa and Iowa looks like they're really, really good this year. So I could not have been more wrong about a lot of these big 10 teams, but, uh, you know, here we are. That's why you play the games, I guess. You can kind of generalize that to all of college football. I feel like we've, we've seen some presumed powerhouses not look good, especially Clemson. Um, you know, we've seen some teams that kind of came out of nowhere, Oregon, you know, we played them. That's a team that, yeah, they were ranked. 10, 11, 12, something like that preseason, but they're all the way up to number three or four now. So it's just sort of an odd season, but it's not to kind of shoot down Rutgers at all, but I feel like this sort of brings us back to normalcy. Yes, they're three and one, but they're still sort of the same vanilla team, especially on offense. And so that's why I have hope that Ohio State can continue to right the ship on defense at least. Rutgers is another one of those teams that we were kind of, you know, we were kind of middle of the road on. We thought they'd be, this is a team that had finished higher than many people thought they would last year. And we thought they would continue this year because they brought pretty much everyone back. And that's, that's really been the case, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where Rutgers has probably one of the, the better linebacking cores in the Big Ten uh, between the two guys, Ola Kunle Fatakasi and Tyshawn Fogg. Uh, two guys that are both very, very good. Uh, Fatakasi leads the team with six and a half tackles for loss and two and a half sacks. Uh, very good player back there, at linebacker. Uh, the defense, like like the offense, brings back pretty much everyone from last year. I think as a team, Rutgers brings back uh, 19 of its 22 starters from last season. So that's definitely something that's good to have, uh, especially when they had a pretty good season for them for their standards last year. So uh, I think Fatakasi was the leading tackler in the Big Ten last year. Uh, another guy that's is probably going to be a, an NFL pick from there. So that's that's a really a guy to look out for uh, when Ohio State's in the run game. Uh, I don't think that they're going to have much trouble running the ball because Travion Henderson is a walking ten yard gain at minimum. But uh, th- this is one of the better linebacking cores they'll face this year uh, between Fadakasi and Fogg. Um, Secondary as well is pretty deep. They've got a bunch of guys back there with a lot of experience. Uh, Bo Melton's brother Max Melton is on the team. He's one of their DBs. He's a pretty good player, uh, like his brother. Um, and they're, you know, this is a team that that's taken the ball away pretty well on defense. They have eight of them, uh, you know, a bunch of fumble. They have five different players with a fumble recovery each, and then they have three picks, uh, two of which are by Melton and one by Trey Avery. So they're a good defense. They're disciplined. You know, they 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 know what they're doing back there. I would, you know, if if Ohio State's players had Rutgers defensive coaching, I think we'd be in a lot of situation than we are right now. But it seems to me like they're the Rutgers knows the kind of talent they have and what they can do and what they can't do, and they're doing a very good job of putting that all together and coming out with a very good product on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that Travion Henderson is, gosh, you know, secret weapons not the the term for it because he's no longer a secret, but. If he is able to be as successful as we've seen him be the last couple of games, I think that that will go a long way towards hopefully putting up some points against Rutgers because I think what they are going to try to do is limit the big plays and keep everything in front of a guy like Fadu Kasi, who I'm writing about for uh, players to watch this week. He's a tackling machine. He's been one of, if not the best linebackers in the Big Ten the last couple of years. And if he can make an impact and he can support the run game uh, along with Tyshawn Fogg, then it's going to force Ohio State to be more one-dimensional and put the emphasis back on C.J. Stroud's performance. So if, if Travion Henderson is able to run wild like we've seen him do the last couple of games, then I think it's going to 
make it a lot easier for CJ Stroud. And maybe they're able to take advantage of some play action stuff and some down the field stuff. So I think they, if Ohio State's going to blow them out, it will be as a result of big plays. But I think that they need to continue to establish the run and establish Travion Henderson because if CJ is not on top of his game or he's still feeling the effects of the shoulder, they're going to have to lean, uh, lean on Travion. And Rutgers would probably like that. If, if they can um, limit Travion Henderson, then you know, um, I think that their chances are a little bit better. Ohio State needs to be well-rounded and hit the big plays when they present themselves if they really want to run rough, rough shot all over Rutgers. Yeah, and this is another reason why I think this is a good game for Ohio State because it's kind of strength on strength when those two units are on the field because Ohio State's rushing offense has arguably arguably been its strength, which is funny to say considering it's led by a, a true freshman when you have, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson in your passing game. But, you know, I just don't have any words for how, like, Travion Henderson has looked. I mean, this guy, I, I just keep saying he looks different out there, and that's really the only way I could describe it because, like, there is just such a different feeling when he has the ball in his hands versus pretty much everyone else on the team. And it's just, like, it's like, it's a lot like, you know, there was a time when, you know, J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber were, were sharing the rock, and it, it felt a little bit different when J.K. had the ball over Mike Weber. And, I, you know, both were good players, but obviously J.K. was, you know, significantly better running back over the long term. And, you know, now it feels like, you know, Trayvon Henderson is, is a better version of J.K. Dobbins, and then the guys behind him are, you know, kind of similarly similar versions of Mike Weber. And while I really like Mayan Williams, and I think he's a very valuable part of this team, it's just he doesn't seem to have the same, like, spark that Trayvon Henderson does. And this kid just seems to, even if there's nothing in front of him, like, he makes, he'll make a six-yard gain out of a two-yard tackle for loss, and I just don't know how he does it. And, like, every week he does something where I'm just, like, watching this kid, like, wow, he is he is special. This is a kid that he's fully lived up to every recruiting ranking already that we've seen from him, and it's only, you know, three games into his career. So, I mean, I'm excited to continue to see him carry the ball. I'm hoping he continues to get more carries. He only had eight against Akron, but that's really all he needed to, to put his mark on that game. I'm hoping to see more from him moving forward. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, if, if this is a game where, Rutgers is doing what they do best and stopping the run, then it is going to fall on CJ Stroud to make some plays. And, you know, hopefully that shoulder is injured, is not as injured anymore. He's kind of healed up from whatever was ailing him because they're going to need him to play well in this game if they want to get that offense balanced and, you know, effective on any given down. Yeah, staying with the offense, and this goes for the Rutgers game. We've sort of covered what we think the game plan will be, but this goes for Rutgers and moving forward. I, I want to hit you with a two part question. You know, one, do you think that Travion Henderson is now the best player on this Ohio State offense? And two, do you think that for the rest of the season, the offense runs through Travion Henderson? Or do you see a scenario where C.J. Stroud um, accelerates his learning curve, develops um, at a faster speed, and we're able to actually rely on him and our outstanding receivers or or like I said do you think it's going to be Trey Day every day it's tough to call him the best player on the offense just because it's only been you know x amount of games and we've seen Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both do this for you know a, a number of years now so I'm I'm hesitant to do that but if he continues to look the way he does I could very well see you know by by mid to end of the year that you know this offense does run through Travion Henderson and everything we do is based on that and, you know to some extent even with how good Justin Fields was, Ohio State's offense ran a lot through J.K. Dobbins in 2019. 
And so, you know, it is Ohio State at its base is a is a power running football team. And when they have a back that's special, like a Dobbins or a Henderson, it really just makes the quarterback's job so much easier. So even if you have, you know, even if CJ Stroud becomes the second coming of Justin Fields, having a running back like that that can make so much out of so little and just that you could depend on to pick up six, seven, eight yards of carry no matter what, just makes your offense flow so much easier and it makes everyone else's job easier. So if Henderson is as good as he looks and as good as he think, we think he is, I don't see any reason why this offense shouldn't run through him uh, the rest of the year. It'll make guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson look even better than they already are. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is really coming on as that strong number three guy. We got to see, you know, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. make some of their first catches against Akron. So this wide receiver room is obviously stacked. There's a ton of talent out there, but Trayvon Henderson... You know, I, I trust Trayvon Henderson as much as I trust Chris Olave at, at this point, and that's saying a lot because he is, you know, he's been one of the most consistent and best players on this team for three, four years now. So, you know, to have a guy like that at such an early age be able to pick up so much of the slack on the offense, it's a lot to ask of a kid in his first year, but I, I think he could very well do it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's I, – I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I think that I, – I would say this. I think that Travion Henderson is the most talented player on Ohio State's offense, but I'm not ready to say that he is the best yet because of Chris Olave's experience and just, you know, his football IQ. He's not the fastest, the biggest, any of that, but his route running, his footwork, all of that, I still think he is the most complete, at least weapon on Ohio State's offense, but it's it's pretty clear to me that Travion Henderson is the most talented one. So I think that they'll continue to lean on him. And I, I do like what you, you know, pointed out about JK Dobbins and even a Trey Sermon when Justin Fields was struggling, Ohio state needs to, and will continue to rely on this running game. And I think it's going to be weighted more towards the running game than we saw in the past. I, I think C.J. Stroud is a good quarterback. I think he can be a great quarterback, but I think it's going to take him some time, and we're through four games now, right? And so I don't know that jumping into the Big Ten schedule is going to accelerate his development. I think it's going to make it more difficult, and he'll have to kind of learn on the fly. So to have Travion Henderson in the backfield, I think that they will lean on him more than we have seen Ohio State lean on a running back in years past, and hopefully he's able to stand up to that. You know, he's still a true freshman. He's a young kid. So the luxury that Ohio State has is they've got weapons all over the place, but the Rutgers game and the, the, the sort of talent that they have on their defense and the defensive prowess that they have, it will be another good test for C.J. Stroud specifically, I believe, because as good as Oregon's defense is even – Big 10 defense is just, it's a different kind of animal. It's a different kind of beast. They're used to playing against a more balanced offense, hopefully on the other side. And I think that they are going to be prepared for the Buckeyes. It's just left to be seen whether or not they will be greatly successful. Yeah, you know, we've seen like it's it's a youth movement at Ohio State this year on both sides of the ball. And, you know, if Ohio State's coaches are willing to, to put some trust into a lot of these young guys early, I think it'll pay off big down the line. And, you know, we see these guys grow in confidence each week, especially, you know, you've seen a guy like Denzel Burke now, a freshman whose confidence has certainly grown over the past three games. And he looks like, you know, Ohio State's best corner out there now after after a few short games. So it's good to see them trusting these guys. I hope they continue to do it. Henderson has certainly earned that trust. There's no reason to think he isn't the top running back in that room right now. 
And yeah, kind of like you said, this is a big. It's gonna be a big game for C.J. Stroud, if, especially if he's you know if the they claim he's fully healthy now and ready to go. You know, if he comes out here and, and doesn't look so good, even against you know a defense that's statistically really good like Rutgers, you know, people are gonna start asking questions, especially after seeing you know after seeing the other quarterbacks now and that they can do it. Um, not to say that you know they they really you know put on a show out there, but they've shown that they have guys back there that can do it if Stroud isn't fully healthy. So if he's healthy now and he comes out here and he just doesn't look the part, there's going to be a lot of questions asked in Columbus. But hopefully we don't get to that. Hopefully Ohio State doesn't have too much trouble with Rutgers. This is a team that you know overall they should beat. Ohio State open to add. Uh, I think 17 point favorites. I'm seeing now anywhere from you know 16 and a half, 15 and a half. So around a touchdown and a half, around a touchdown, a field goal uh, for Ohio State. Josh, let's get into score predictions and then we'll get out of here. What are you thinking for the Ohio State Rutgers game in Piscataway, New Jersey? I think that Ohio State is going to fall short of 40 points, but just barely. And I think they'll cover the spread as well. Uh, I'm feeling 38 to 17. Gene, where are you at? All right, that's almost identical to mine. I was going to say 38-21. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, there, there'll be some early struggles on offense. They'll kind of, you know, they'll get the ground game going. They'll figure some stuff out late. Uh, the defense will, you know, it's not going to look as good as it did against Akron because Rutgers isn't Akron, but I don't think Rutgers does anything particularly good enough to really attack Ohio State consistently enough on offense. And, you know, they, they take care of the ball. They're not going to turn it over a ton. They might get one in this game if Ohio State, you know, makes a good play on a ball or something. But... Um, they're they're going to try to hold possession like many of the teams are going to try to do against Ohio State, and you know based on how successful that will be, it'll you know that'll both limit Ohio State's points and try to get Rutgers points on the board. So I think a 38-21 game uh, makes sense for just the way these teams kind of look. I guess I have them covering the spread depending on what spread you have, uh, but. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. I would be shocked if Ohio State won this game like 52-17 to 17 or something like that. I think Rutgers' defense is too good to let this game get out of hand unless it's just one of those things where Ohio State takes such a lead early on that this team kind of gives up. But I don't think Greg Shannon's team's really one to do that. So, you know, I, I think it'll be a closer game than many of the past Rutgers games, but I think it'll be a good learning experience for Ohio State on both sides of the ball, and it's a good way to kick off uh, the Big Ten slate. Yeah, and you brought up the Big Ten slate. I Before we get out of here, I want to kind of hit you rapid fire with some Big Ten games. Uh, Notre Dame-Cincinnati, that's a good game this weekend, but I want to stay inside the Big Ten, and I've got the games up in front of me. Just give me like a quick yes or no, your quick thoughts on this, uh, some of these games at least. So on Friday, Iowa travels to Maryland. Maryland is 4-0. They're unranked, but do you think that Maryland has a chance to take down number five Iowa? I'm in a tough spot because I was really down on Iowa, but now I'm fully in on Iowa, so I don't really know where to go. Um, I like Maryland's offense. You know, I like Tug Vailoa's little brother, um, but I think Iowa's defense is just so damn good that I, I think Iowa, you know, comes away with a win there. I see Iowa's minus four in that game. You know, I am a betting man, so I, that's, that's a line I'm going to be looking at this weekend, uh, especially since it's a Friday game. There's not much else on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Iowa's defense is too good. I think they pull away the win there, and Iowa remains undefeated moving forward. Okay, I agree with that one. Uh, noon on Saturday, Michigan travels to Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin has obviously not looked good. Uh, they're now unranked. They, um, you know, Jack Cohn. Yeah, nothing or, you're about sorry, to say Graham matters. Mertz. Nothing you're about to say matters to me. Graham Mertz stinks, and that is my okay. take on this game. He, is, I saw a stat. I think it so was on the broadcast. They, so there's no way that they prove uh, that team up north to be a fraud. 
oh, there's there's absolutely a chance that that happens because this is what Michigan does every year. But I think that's more of a, a Michigan fault than it is a, a Wisconsin pro. I just think that I, I'm pretty sure they showed a stat. I don't know if it was on the broadcast, but Graham Mertz against ranked teams in his career is now 0 for 4, one touchdown, 10 picks against ranked opponents. That is disgusting. This guy had all the hype in the world. He was their highest rated quarterback like ever to, ever to commit there. He was a guy that, you know, Ryan Day had looked at and wanted, and he's just not good. And I know they don't have any playmakers on offense at all. Like, they really don't have the typical Wisconsin running back, and none of their wide receivers are all that good. But he just doesn't look like he has it, and it's it's tough. Their offense is atrocious. Uh, you know, their defense is okay, but it can't pick up enough slack to, to make up for the offense. I don't think Michigan is a particularly – high-powered offense you know they only scored 20 against Rutgers and you know we said Rutgers is good but if Michigan was the team that everyone thinks they is and this this high-powered new Michigan look it's a team that should score more than 20 points on Rutgers so I think it's gonna be a low-scoring game it's not gonna be a fun game to watch probably uh, much like Wisconsin Notre Dame until like the last few minutes uh, interestingly enough Wisconsin opened as a favorite in this game and now I'm seeing Michigan at minus one which makes a little more sense to me but the fact that Wisconsin was favored at all in this game just shows you what you know people are expecting out of Michigan when this game comes around because it just it seems like every time this game comes up Michigan gets throttled yeah, I don't want to see Michigan lose yet. So emotionally, I will agree with you, but I would not be surprised if Wisconsin pulls something out of you nowhere. So the last Big Ten game that I wanted to ask you about, Indiana at Penn State, Penn State up to number four in the country. They've looked really good. Indiana has not. I've been unimpressed with Michael Penix Jr. I don't know if that's the fact that he was more fool's gold prior to this or if it's the injury that's still hampering him but Indiana sitting at two and two they're going into Happy Valley do you think that there is any chance that they could take down James Franklin and Penn State nah Penn State by a million I just this Indiana team it just looks like they kind of capitalized on a, on a COVID year when everyone else was down and, and looked a little better than they were you know I still like Tom Allen as a head coach and I think Michael Penix is, is an okay quarterback but I think they're you know they're really they're really not what they were last year. Their offense isn't quite the same. Uh, the defense without Marcus Freeman isn't quite the same. So, you know, this is a – oh, no, Marcus Freeman was Cincinnati. What am I saying? But their their defense hasn't looked the same. Uh, they're just they, – I'm pretty sure they almost lost to Western Kentucky last week. Like, they just have they, – they seem like a team that lost two games early and is now kind of feeling the after effects of, you know, now realizing that they may might not be the, the team they quite thought they were. So – and Penn State's rolling right now. They're feeling good. They're, you know, James Franklin isn't leaving for USC yet. So we'll see how things go there. But the Penn State, 10.5-point favorites. That's a tough line. You know, it's probably a game that Penn State wins by 10. Uh, Penn State already wasted their whiteout game on a really bad Auburn team, so they won't have that going for them, but I still think Penn State wins this game relatively easily. Okay, yeah, that's all I got for the Big Ten games of interest to me, at least. Um, you know, Other than that, I think we're both probably rooting for Luke Fickle and Cincy to take down Notre Dame, and Boston College, the fighting Jeff Halfleys go to Clemson. I hope Boston College wins, and it, it would be... A, a damn shame if Clemson were to go like six and six this year. I don't I'll know tell if you I can sleep with that. Clemson's minus 16 points. I don't know if Clemson could score 16 points. That offense sucks. <laughs> They're terrible. I, yeah, have they scored 16 points in a I game? I don't know, I'm man. But sure. that, that is, I don't even like, I don't know if it's DJ Uyongalele's fault or what it is, but that offense, man, it's like Ohio State broke them in that playoff game and they just, they can't move the ball at all. I mean, North, North Carolina State. Like, played them really well. I was actually watching that game because I bet North Carolina State, like, plus 10 or whatever. Because for the same reason, I was like, I don't think Clemson could score 10 points. Like, it's it's not a good offense. Um, 
The only other games, yeah, like you said, I'm rooting for Cincy. I think Cincy does beat Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame is as good as they looked. I think Wisconsin is just bad, and Notre Dame took advantage of that. Um, I'm addicted to Coastal, uh, Coastal Carolina and betting them, so I'll probably watch that game. They're a lot of fun, although I'm now seeing that game's on ESPN+, Plus, so maybe I won't. Why would you put the fun teams on TV? That's not uh, my call to make. Uh, Arkansas-Georgia is an interesting game. Arkansas is really killing it this year. They're number eight in the country now, going to number two Georgia. Georgia's favored by 18.5 points. That's a pretty large spread for a game between two and eight. Uh, but that'll be a fun SEC game to watch at noon. Uh, so maybe that'll, you know, get the juices flowing before Ohio State plays Rutgers at 3.30. So it's it's an actually a pretty good slate this weekend. A lot of interesting games. Uh, you also have Hawaii kicking off at 11 p.m., which is always fun if you're a degenerate gambler. Uh, but other than that, pretty good college football slate. Ohio State's back in Big Ten play. You know, they're 1-0 in Big Ten play to start with, obviously, their win over Minnesota. But, you know, after this, Rutgers and then Maryland, then the, the schedule gets a bit tougher. So we're going to probably learn a little bit about this team in the next two weeks, and then we'll we'll base the rest of our, our like, the review of this team moving forward on these next two games and how it, how it fares. Yeah, it's a good slate. I'm looking forward to it. I think that Ohio State continues to improve and get right. And, uh, you know, we'll see you on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, as always, you know, we'll be back with you sometime this weekend for a recap of the game, good or bad. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. Uh, be sure to, you know, like, rate, review, subscribe, download, and all that good stuff. And uh, for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross. We will see you this weekend. And go Bucks. <laughs>